our vision series, and um, I'm, I'm excited about this. I feel like God is speaking some clarity to us as a church. We're focusing on two things, God's vision for His house and God's vision for our house. And I'm hoping that as we're going through this series, that as I talk about God's house, you're seeing some parallels to some things that you can do in your own house. So I shouldn't have to say, all right, this is what you do in your house. Automatically, you should be thinking, man, that's how God wants His house. I want my house to look like God's house. I want Him to fill it home both places. Amen? And so as you're taking notes today, as you're listening, think about it that way. What is God's vision for His house What is God's vision for our house? The text that we've been reading has been uh, Mark chapter 11. We also read the same text in Matthew 21 where Jesus shows up to the house of God and He begins to uh, turn things over and He makes this statement. He says, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. If you were not here the last couple weeks, I would recommend you going back And listening to those, that's very important. My house, God says, I want you to know it's my house. I want you to know it is a house because I want a family. My house will be called a house of prayer. God wants His his house to be a house of prayer. But it's not going to be a house of prayer for select people. It's going to be a house of prayer for all nations. Amen? And last week we talked about the fact that God, and this is going to help some of you that struggle with grace and truth. How many struggle with that? Where do I show grace? Where do I stand strong, right? The Bible says Jesus, and John says Jesus was full of grace and truth. You ever notice you can't be, ever be full of, of two things? You're half, like if I have water and then coffee, well, I'm half full water and half full coffee, right? Not Jesus. He was full of both of them. He was letting us see both sides of God embodied in one person. What are the sides of God? Love and truth, right? Grace and truth. That was prophetic of Jesus Christ. Everything He did, He never compromised one for the other. He was always full of grace and full of truth. So if you're a truth teller, you need to pray for some more graciousness in your life. If all you do is show grace, pray for some more truth telling in your life, okay? That's another good word. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday. I didn't even got to my notes yet. My goodness. And so last week, I know many of you struggle with that. And, and I know I struggle with it. Where do you, you stand strong and yet, you, so you have convictions and yet you want to show love and grace and truth. And last week we talked about it. Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer for all nations. You go back and look at the passages that he was quoting. That, that passage says, everybody is welcome in my house. However, once you show up, you got to act like a child of God. God loves you the way you are, but He loves you too much to leave you that way. And so Jesus said, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. Now this is actually the second time for the past two weeks I've been talking about the second time that Jesus has cleansed the temple. How many of you knew that He did it twice? How many did not know that He did it twice? See, I love that. Thank the Lord. I'm so glad nobody raised their hand. That makes me feel smart and intelligent. 
The scripture we just read happened after the triumphant entry where he shows up to Jerusalem. They're they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. He's riding on the back of a donkey. They're throwing their garments out in front of him. They've got palm branches. And he shows up with all those accolades. And then he walks right to the temple and just starts going off, you know, just turning things over and tearing things up. That's not how I would respond. If y'all were bragging on me and saying, Hosanna, man, I'd just like, thank y'all, thank y'all, I love y'all. (laughs) not God. God doesn't need our praise. He just wants it. There's a big difference in that. Man, I am on it today. (laughs) Coach B, none of that in my notes. Just freestyling. The first time that Jesus cleansed the temple is found in the Gospel of John. And this is immediately after He has just left the wedding where He turned water to wine. I find that ironic that he's at a party <laughs> and he makes the party even better. Yeah. And then he goes to the temple and starts kicking religious people out. Aren't we just the opposite? Like we show up at the party like, y'all are bad, don't do nothing, you shouldn't have fun, nobody wants you to do anything. Not Jesus. And then we go to church and everything's okay. Not him. He shows up looking for the most religious person because that's who he's going after, right? Well, that's another one. I'll keep on going. All right, so let me go. Here we go. Here we go. John chapter 2 and verse 13. John 2 and 13. I was up late last night. Blame it on that, okay? It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. So Jesus went to Jerusalem and in the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. (laughs) God. We're a seeker-sensitive church. I don't know. (laughs) He drove out the sheep and the cattle. That's not a real seeker-sensitive church either. you got sheep and cattle in the lobby. Scattered the money changers, coins over the floor, and turned over their tables. Then going over to the people who sold the doves, he told them, Get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Then I want to focus on this next passage of Scripture. Verse 17. Then his disciples remembered this prophecy from the scriptures. Passion for God's house will consume me. If you're taking notes, and I hope you are, I want you to write this down. The answer to God's house looking and feeling like God's house is for God's people to be consumed with a passion for his house. And I mean, we hear it all the time. We want, our, we want our church to be a church that Jesus loves. We want our church to be a church. How do we do that? How do we make sure that the hills is a place that when he walks in, he sits down and enjoys it instead of putting a whip together? How do we do that? Being consumed with a passion for God's house. Matter of fact, this is how you get your house looking and feeling like God's house is being consumed with a passion for God's house. When a passion for God's house consumes us, things change. There's no more pumping and priming. There's no more begging. Because when we have a passion for God's house, we're going to start doing some things that we wouldn't normally do, and we're going to stop doing some things that we would normally do. So let me give you a couple of points. If we're passionate about God's house, we will not allow anything in His house that is not supposed to be in His house. 
So write that down. If you're passionate about God's house, we will not allow anything in His house that's not supposed to be there. Same thing for your house. If you're passionate about your house being a house of God, then you will not allow anything in that house that doesn't belong in that house. How many right now are going through a checklist, as I'm saying this, some things you need to get out of your house? And it may not be in a container. It may not be in a bottle. It may not be in a Ziploc. It may not be in your television stand. It may be an attitude. Let's get some stuff out of our house. Notice, before he says to them anything, he begins with a house cleaning. Before we can have what we want, we must get rid of what we don't. Before you can have what you want, you have to get rid of what you don't. Before you can say yes, you have to say no. Jeremiah 1 and 10. One of my favorite passages of Scripture. Not that you care, but I'm preaching today. So, <laughs> Jeremiah 1 and 10. See today, this is, what, this is where, where God is speaking to Prophet Jeremiah. He's telling him that, that before you even formed in your mama's belly, I had a plan for you. Remember that? And he said, see today, I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to, read it with me, uproot. Tear down, destroy, overthrow, to build, to plant. Do you notice? Four destructive things for two constructive things. Uproot, tear down, destroy, and overthrow. You have to dig up the bad stuff before you can plant the good stuff. You have to say no before you say yes. Here's the way I see it. Knowing what you don't want comes down to values. Knowing what you don't want in your house comes down to your values. Before you can have values, you got to know what you want, right? I like this. I value that. And once you understand those values, then you can begin to say, you don't belong here because you don't line up with those values. Deciding what your values are is what creates convictions. I'm teaching right now. This is, this is good stuff. Knowing what you want is what creates your values. Knowing what your values are is what creates your convictions. And your convictions are what determine your commitment. So you will not be committed to something if you're not convicted that it's the right thing because of where your values are. But once you know what your values are, what your convictions are, then you know what to say no to. The reason that we vacillate and we waffle and we are fluid and we don't stand up is because we've never stopped and said, what are my values? Jesus was very clear about His values and that is, God's house is my number one value. And I know what it's supposed to look like, so I know what my house is supposed to look like. So, in other words, we have to know before we can know. You have to K-N-O-W before you can N-O. I have to know. How many are ever faced with situations and you just feel like you make the wrong decision? You know why? Because you didn't know what your convictions were. Because you didn't know what your values were, so you didn't know what to say in that moment. 
And I could begin to throw those out to you right now. I could talk about if you saw, if you saw somebody being abused in our lobby, you wouldn't just sit there, would you? Be all over it. Like, let's go. I've been looking for this. I'm not happy it's happening to you, but I'm glad you did it because you're about to get it, buddy. Because we have that conviction. And yet we gossiped yesterday. And yet we told lies yesterday. And we were mean yesterday. Why? Because it's not a conviction of ours. Let's get some convictions. How do I get convictions? By knowing what you value. How do I know what I value? Right here. In his, in his word, in his house. It's really, really very simple. All right, let me keep on going today. So Jesus valued God's house above everything else so he knew what to say no to. He had a model and he could walk in and, and immediately compare what was going on to how it was supposed to be. And he could say, this ain't how it's supposed to be. So he knew what to say no to. People, uh, I, I'm going to just use our home for an example. I could pick many homes here. Uh, we have an amazing home. Uh, we have a, a beautiful home God's blessed us with. Uh, but more than that, there's a feeling in our home. If you've ever been to our home, there's just a feeling there. I talked last week about the smell. We have, we have people call us and go, man, there's a smell about your house. What is it? What is that fragrance? And Kristen's like, well, it's, there's a couple of candles I buy. Then there's some spaghetti sauce mixed in and sweaty boy's feet. So that's the smell of our house. And every room, kind of that, that smell concentrates even more, you know. As you get close to the boys' room, it smells more like them than it does spaghetti, all right? But there's a feeling in our home. And we have people say, I just feel peace here. I just, it feels like home. You know why? Because we've said no to a lot of stuff before you ever got there. Very clearly, we're not going to do that in this house. Even if you come and visit our house, if you come and spend the night, we do that with guys at our house, young men. No, no, no. You may do that at your house. We don't do that at this house, all right? I love you. You're always welcome, but that ain't going to happen here. And Kristen has to do that to me sometimes. Not in this house, okay? It's not how we do it. <laughs> Same thing with our church, with the hills. We have folks show up and they go, man, it just feels like home and it feels family and the coffee's good and we love the branding and we love the music. You know why? Because we've been for seven years saying no to stuff. No, you're not going to, you're not going to do that. No, we're not going to do that here, okay? I know you want to. You did that at your old church, but that's not what we do here, all right? And if you don't like it, then there's a lot of other churches out there for you to go attend. Not being mean, but we're not for everybody. But that's what makes a place the way God wants it to be. You get your values and you know what to say no to. I'm talking to some of you folks that don't have good time management. And it's not because you're disorganized. It's because you don't have the right values and you don't know what to say no to. I can't take that appointment. I can't do that because this is my value. Listen, you can't say yes to everybody. Amen. And the more people you lead, the more you have to say no. Jesus said no first, but then he said yes. He wasn't just a no person. He said no first, and then he said yes. He said no to what he didn't want, so he could say yes to what he did want. 
Religious folks, you got to get out. And when I say religious folks, I'm talking about people that valued religion over relationship. There was just a way of doing things, and they were oppressive. you got to get out. And as soon as he said no to that, remember what we read last week? Then the lame and the blind came to him, and he healed them. If you say no to things, then you can turn around and say yes to things. If we're passionate about God's house, not just passionate, consumed with being passionate, consumed with a passion for God's house. When I read this scripture, I'd read it before, but when I read it a couple of weeks ago, man, it just got all over me. I'm like, this is the answer to it right here. We don't have to beg and plead and please. No, just man, let's just pray for a passion to consume us for God's house. So after you say no, then you can say yes. After you have uprooted, then you plant. Everybody say plant. So Jeremiah, here's what I'm calling you to do. You're going to uproot, tear down, destroy, overthrow. Then you're going to build and you're going to plant. That word plant speaks commitment to me. If we're passionate about God's house, we're going to be committed to God's house. If you're passionate about your house being a house of God, you are going to be committed to your house. Be in the house of God. Now, if you're waiting for me to get to the part, God's vision for His house and your house, I just did. Yeah. That was it right there. Those of you that are, that are wanting your marriage to be more fruitful, be consumed with a passion for that marriage to be a marriage that God is pleased with. Amen. And if you're consumed with that passion, you'll be committed to that marriage. Parents, be committed to your kids being the kind of kids that would grow up in the house of God. And if you're, if you're, if you're committed to that, then you're going to watch it happen. Be passionate about your friendships and your relationships and your businesses acquaintances. Be passionate about those being God-honoring relationships. And when that happens, you're committed to them. And when you're passionate, it's easier to be planted. And not just every win that comes along. If you're passionate about it, that's when you say, no, 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 this is my marriage. I'm planted here. I don't like the way you looked at me last night. I don't like the way you smell this morning. But I'm committed to this. You did me wrong. You lied, you cheated, you walked out on me, you talked bad about me. But this is my marriage. I am committed to this. Now those of you that have gone through divorces, those of you that have walked through stuff, please don't hear this as condemnation. It's not. I'm talking about where you are right now, today. Making a decision that this is where God's planted me. I am committed to being right here. Committed, passionate about your kids. Then you're committed to your kids. Doesn't matter if they, what they do, you're still committed. These are my kids. I'm not forsaking them. I'm not walking off. Come on, somebody help me out today. God's vision for our house is that it would replicate His house. Our houses need to be patterned after God's house. What is God's house supposed to be? Flourishing and free and whole and full of peace, and joy, and life. That's what God wants in your house. 
And it's no different than how he started it. In the beginning, he created Eden. And this is what I want it to look like. Man and woman in paradise. Right? With an amazing relationship with God. And what does the enemy attack? The very first thing. What does he go after? He goes after their relationship with God. Didn't go after the marriage first. He went after the relationship with God. Did God really say? Question and you doubt, 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 doubt. Did, did God really say? And then as soon as their relationship with God was gone, yeah. then their relationship with others began to fall apart. They blame each other. And then the kids suffer the repercussions of it. This is why I come back to saying, make God's house your model. Put God's house. Let that be the value that you have. And then you, everything else is replicated from that. When we're passionate about God's house, we'll be committed to God's house. I, I want to see some more of this. I want to see some more of, this is my church. I, this, is, this, is my, this is where God planted me right here. This is my church. I don't always agree. I don't like everybody that goes here. It's okay. Let me just tell you, you don't have to like everybody. You don't like everybody in your family, so it's okay. Can I hear a bigger amen than that? You love them, but you don't like them. You'll go to battle for them, but you're not going to hang out with them a lot, okay? It's okay. That's why you have multiple gatherings and multiple serve teams, all right? If you don't fit in one, find another one. But when we're passionate about God's house, then we get planted in God's house. And that's where things begin to shift. Because then you know what your values are. You know what to say yes to. And you know what to say no to. You ain't going to talk about my church that way. I want some more of that. Not that we get a lot of people talking bad about us. But every once in a while we hear something. I'm ready for some folks who would stand up. You're talking about my church. Those are my people. That's my pastor. That's my worship leader. That's my Hills Kids pastor. Say it again, me and you going to go. I better watch it. We'll have brawls out in the parking lot. Come on, how many of you know we need a little bit more of that in us? I committed. Someone the other day said, someone was saying something they didn't like, something that we did. And I said, let me ask you something. Do you trust me as a pastor? Yeah, because if you don't, then I'm not your pastor. All right, so go on. Go find another pastor. But if you trust me, then stand up. Be strong. Do you trust the culture that God has placed here in this house? If you do, if you don't, go find one you do. But if you do trust it, stand up for it. All right, here we go. Same thing with your marriage. You don't let your mama talk about your wife. I love you, Mama, but leaving in Cleveland, all right? I'm just saying. You straighten your spouse out when they talk about your kids. It's just values, all right? It's values. Man, come on, Jesus, help us. Hey, this is going to help some of you on Friday. I'm telling you, it's going to help us. If we're passionate about His house, then we're committed to the culture of the house. 
Every family has a culture. Every home has a culture. And if you're passionate about God's house, then you're committed to the culture of the house. I felt led this week just to remind our church what our culture is. Some of you, it's been a while since you've gone through intro. Some of you went last week. 25 people last week went through intro. Let's go! Come on! Thank you, Lord. Was it last week? It's been a long week. I can't remember. The culture of the hills comes down to three things. Raise your hand if you could tell me what those three things are. And that's why I have to preach on it. Right there. See that offering envelope that's hanging right there in front of you? Pick one up and show it to me. Show it to me. Show me one. Bring it to me. I hope it's on there. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Yep, it is. There you go. Okay, we're good. The hills. Three words. How many tell me what they are? Three words. What's the culture of the hills? That's the culture of the hills. Those three words right there. We started off with about ten of them. We had about big ten culture points about who we are. And finally we realized, man, this is really who we are. We're about these three things. It's all found in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave that everyone could experience life. Loving, giving, living. That's it. That's what we do. We say yes to that. We say no to a lot of other stuff. Number one, we love passionately. Some of you may know the loving, but you don't know the, the word that we add to it. We love passionately. Passionately. Each other, we passionately love one another. I can't tell you what it means to me to pastor a church and to be the recipient of the love that I felt the past several weeks. If you don't have a church family that loves you passionately, that when you tell them don't show up to the hospital, Wayne and Eve still show up to the hospital at 12 at night, right? When you have family that will fight for you, and they'll also live with you. If you don't have that, you need that in your life. That's the kind of culture we have as a church. We love passionately. That's patterned after Jesus Christ who gives everything He has for us, but will also get a whip and go off. He loves passionately. Now sometimes I kind of feel bad because I feel like it's my Pentecostal raising. You know, I'm like, come on, come on. No, it's passion. I want us to be consumed with a passion for God's house and a passion for God's people. We love God passionately. I mean, we love Him passionately. And i got to be honest, there are sometimes during our worship moments that I turn around and go, is this the hills? Because this is not passion. I don't see passion here. And maybe you came from a background where you, didn't, you weren't passionate in your worship. Well, change that background, okay? Begin to switch that around. Because I'm telling you, you would go crazy if you chip one in for eagle. You go off if you win the lottery. Amen? You went crazy this weekend when one of your teams won or lost. And yet when it comes down to, come on, lift your voice. Yeah, I don't know about that. That ain't how we do things here. I'm telling you, listen to Daddy today. This house is a house where we love God passionately. Passionately. All the guests, thank you for coming. You're getting it all at one time. We love God passionately. We love His house passionately. The house of God is an amazing home. 
It's where we want. We're passionate about God's house. Next, we give generously. Giving. We give generously. If this is your church, you need to be tithing here. If this is your church. And so the opposite of that is if you're not tithing, then this is not really your church. If this is your church, you need to be tithing. That's one of our core values. Tithing is 10% and your first fruits. Right? 10% of your income and your first fruits. And that's just the beginning. Because we don't just give, we give generously. Generously is above and beyond our tithes and our offerings. Our tithes. Above, so if you're, if you're not giving 10%, start right there, okay? Start there. If you are giving 10%, then take that another level and watch God begin to pour out blessings that you can't contain. I'm a living, breathing witness of that in my own life. I could tell you over and over and over stories. We're not saying that because we need your money, because God's going to take care of it. I'm telling you that because you need to be giving and tithing, because it breaks greed off of your life. It breaks stinginess off of your life. I had a guy the other day that said, man, I want to tithe, but I, man, I, I'm in debt. And I said, so you are more afraid of that debt collector. You respect him more than you do God. All right, I'll move on. (laughs) If this is your church, our culture is we are tithers here. But not just tithing, giving generously. I'm believing for the miracle offering that we're going to receive. And again, I almost didn't call it that because it feels like televangelist kind of thing. I don't know. But, but I felt God say, no, I want you to call it that because we're going to see miracles happen. I'm going, to, I'm going to accompany you and me together and we're going to see an amazing miracle happen. As you know, we're looking for buildings, and I mean, we're getting really close. I can feel it in my heart. We're getting really close. And we're praying for God to perform a miracle. I would love to roll into that building. Every building we're looked at is anywhere from $3.5 to $4 million. That's what we're going to be paying for a building, all right? I would love nothing better than for us just to roll into that building debt-free. Just debt-free. That would be a miracle. That would be a miracle. There's what we need to make it happen. There's what we want to make it happen. And then there's what would be a miracle. What if we could just roll into a community and not have to worry about taking care of the payments and all that. We could just roll in and start ministering just like that. Do you know as a church, we gave over 10% away. Like immediately, what came in, we're, up, we're almost to 12% right now. Already, what comes in goes immediately out. Man, wouldn't you love to be able to take that up to 15, to 20, to 25? That we're just, what's coming in is just going out and blessing people. Wouldn't that be incredible? We can do that if we have a miracle. And I'm believing for it. This is about legacy. Giving is about legacy. Giving is taking a seed and burying it in the ground, believing that it's going to come forth. And Ron Smith and I have talked about it many times, that the seeds that we plant, our kids will enjoy the fruit of that years later. The buildings that God give us, your children are going to be married in them, dedicated in them. We're going to send you off to heaven in them. Amen? People are going to be set free in them. Lives are going to be changed in them by the seed that we plant. Next way that we give generously is in our serving. A culture in our church is that we serve. 
If you're not serving in this house, then it's not really your house. How many of your parents will let you get away with not taking the trash out? Right? I mean, if you live here, it's what we do. I tell you, it just rocked my world. When I saw people that were at intro last week greeting people this morning. Serving coffee this morning. However, we don't have enough teachers in Hills Kids today. So our Hills pastor had to go back. Hills Kids pastor had to go back there. All right? That should never be the case. Every parent in here should want to be a part of serving with Hills Kids. Not just drop them off. You know what fired me up today too? To see our parking team grow because our high school guys showed up. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Right there. Now be seated. Let me tell you about those guys. They played a brutal football game on Friday in Chattanooga, traveling there, coming back. They should be sleeping today. No, they show up at not, not at 11, at 9 a.m. today. I'm proud of you guys. And I'm going to tell you what I was going to say today. I was going to say, parents, if you will serve in the house of God, your kids will love serving in the house of God. Y'all just switched it. Kids, if y'all will serve in the house of God, your parents will serve in the house of God. Blame it on being in the hospital for several hours yesterday. I'm talking about the culture. We want this place to be a place that God loves. We love passionately. We give generously. Please hear me. No condemnation on this. You hear me? And if it's convicting, that's great because that's what the Holy Spirit does. But no condemnation. No guilt here. This is about you living the best life that God has for you. And here's how you do it. Being consumed with a passion for God's house. We love passionately. We give generously. And our calling is that each individual would live abundantly. That should be the litmus test for every area of your life. Is this abundant? Danny and Kelly, we've talked about it. Chris and I have talked about it with them and with some of you. That one word right there has stopped me and Kristen mid-argument. Well, you said, well, I didn't care. Well, you said, that's her. I'm sitting over here like this right now. I didn't admit, and all of a sudden one of us will go, this is not abundant. This is just getting by. This is scratching it out. That'll help you when you make purchases, when you put money in savings. That'll help you when you spend time with your kids. That'll help you with all the areas of your life. Is is this moving me toward more abundance in my life? And we say abundance, that doesn't mean a bigger house or a lot of cars. Or it could if that's what God wants for you. But it does mean love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, and faith. The word of wisdom, word of knowledge, tongues, interpretation, tongue, gift of prophecy, journey of spirit, gifts of healing, gift of faith, working of miracles. That's what it means. More. More abundance in my life. More fruit. More gifts. More. How many want more? And for those of you who aren't raising your hand, well, I'm a minimalist. Well, you're just concerned about you. I want more so I can give more to other people that need it. So if you're a minimalist, just do a savings account that's just, this is for other people. And as God blesses you, just empty that thing right out, all right? Psalms 92 and 13. 
Those who are planted, if I say planted, planted. remember you got to say no before you can say yes. You got to dig up before you can plant. But once you're done saying no, start saying yes. And once you're done destroying, start planting. Get planted. Get planted, and here's what happens. Those who are planted in the house of God shall flourish in the courts of our God. Abundance. They shall still bear fruit in old age. I love this. And they will be fresh and flourishing. Oh, man. Don't you want to be about 93 years old and just still fresh and flourishing? And All the young people, amen. And the old people are like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm on my way out. I just uh... <laughs> abundance comes through commitment. So get planted in your marriage as a as a parent in the house of God, and don't just get planted. Stay planted. And the best way to get planted and stay planted is to be passionate. I was consumed the passion for his house. I kind of see it this way. When Jesus begins to do what he began to do, tearing things up and whipping people, I have a feeling the disciples are like, oh my God. Oh Lord. Y'all look right here. Everybody look right here. Can you imagine if you brought, you have the, you meet this amazing preacher, you're like, I'm going to bring him to church. Everybody's going to love him. Because that's what they saw him as, a rabbi, a teacher, you know. I'm bringing him to my synagogue. Oh, yeah. Everybody's going to love him. He just walks and starts turning stuff over. And in my mind, the disciples are like, oh, my Lord. He just did it. What are we going to do? And that's why suddenly one of them goes, oh. Remember what the prophet said. I will be consumed with a passion for his house. That, now it makes sense. That's why he's going, because they had just become so accustomed. Well, I guess it's just the way you have church. This is the way a marriage is supposed to be, I guess. It's the way a family is supposed to be run. Not when you're passionate about it, being flourishing and abundant. When you're passionate, when you're consumed with it, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do that today. It's not going to happen here. But here is what's going to happen here. I'm praying for a passion for God's house to consume us. I'm praying for those of you that have the gift of giving to have such a passion come up in you that you'll write checks with many zeros behind it. Don't laugh. I'm serious. I'm praying for those who have the gift of serving that you will serve with everything that you have. That those who have the gift of administration will administrate. God knows we need it. Those that have the gift of leading, that you will lead with such a passion. Can I just go on and on and on? Those that have the gift of healings, that you just want to be praying for people and ministering to people and the gift of helps. And we could just go on and on and on. If you don't know what your gift is, we want to help you figure that out. We want to get you to a place that you can operate in that and move in that. Come play so I'll be quiet. Please come. Let me just say this. I feel led to say this. When I talked about the destructive part, now guys, don't look at the musicians, look at me, okay? When I talked about the destructive part, you got to tear some things down. Some of you really like that because you're anti-church, you're anti-religion, you're only here because you like our coffee. 
And you laugh some. and you like. I mean, you're barely hanging on. And that's because you're spending your time destroying and tearing up. And you've got to do some of that. You've got to break some of that down. But at some point, God wants you to be healed and planted. So your anti, your against, needs to turn into a four. Your con needs to turn into a pro. That was for someone today. Maybe a couple of you. For those that you just, you just haven't been serving or giving or worshiping passionately just because you just, well, just not how we do it. You know, I just, it's, a, it's Nashville, you know. It's like coming to a show. Come, we do it. Come on, let that change in your heart today. I'm praying that a passion for God's house will consume you. Because if it will consume you, it's going to consume those around you. It's going to get on your kids. It's going to get on your neighbors. And then we don't, never do we have to say, come on, let's serve. Come on, let's give. Come on, let's worship. We shouldn't have to do that. Because there are people that are going to be walking in those doors right there. Or maybe doors in another building. They don't know any of this stuff. We shouldn't be instructing each other. This is for them to come in and let it be modeled for them. Amen. Close your eyes. Let me pray for you today.